Welcome in everybody to Girl, How'd You Get That Gig? This is our very first episode. I am beyond excited to be hosting this with Celeste Gehring and our amazing guest. I'd like to introduce you to Heather Burns. She's got a, a very um, classy title. And and I and we're going to get into exactly what this means. She's the senior deputy editor, uh, NFL at ESPN. So Heather, thank you and welcome into our podcast. Thank you. Uh, couldn't be more excited to be your first guest. Um, just amazing, amazing idea and something that I know I will tune into from week to week to like get some tips and figure out you know how to even be a better manager than I try to be right now. So that's great. And that's exactly what the show is supposed to be for, not just for those looking to get into sports, but also for those in sports trying to give some advice to what kind of people they want to hire. This is a great place to be a resource. So a little bit of background, Celeste, on Heather for our listeners. She has more than 30 years in the industry, and you currently run ESPN.com's NFL digital coverage. You supervise 15 editors, 37 reporters. Those numbers may have changed since your bio, maybe even more now, but I do know that you are a boss, literally, figuratively, of my husband, Paul Gutierrez. <laughs> and that's how we have the connection. And I just, first question, I had to have an icebreaker. I want to know how difficult Paul is. And he wants to know how much you like his hair. Oh my God. He has the best hair in NFL Nation. Like love his hair so much. And I tell him that all the time. Now, Jameson is a, Jameson Hensley, my Ravens reporter, close second, but Paul, the curl, like, I hate the summer cut, I hate the summer cut. He said, he he said she likes my fall hair. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. I also love his 80s, uh, you know, that we can talk the 80s all day long. So love that. He's, uh, he's never been, he has never been difficult. If they were all like Paul, my life would be a lot easier. I, I know that's probably not true for you. I'm sure he doesn't do enough laundry or like cleaning up around the house. But, you know, for me, it's pretty easy. I will say he, he does do the laundry. I don't. That's good. Yeah. He can help a little more with some yard work and cooking, but we can get to that later. It's fine. Right, well, I'll, I'll let him know. I'll drop him a line. I, I think I have the person <laughs> to talk to. <laughs> so Heather, besides rinking haircuts, uh, what do you do as that senior deputy editor of the NFL? What are your daily duties like? So, geez, what are my, it depends on the day. Um, every day is different, which is what I've always loved about journalism in general. Um, you're always looking at different stories. You're always looking at different um, writers to do the stories. In my in my position now, in the time when I was a writer, I was trying to figure out angles and come up with things that I wanted to do myself. So um, a typical day, today I got here at 9.30. I started reading um, a story that I needed to edit. Then I moved on to a PowerPoint presentation because we have um, our all of our reporters will be on a Zoom call next week for the NFL summit. So I started working on that. Um, There's always the manager stuff. I had a meeting with HR about someone um, and then back to reading. Um, Then we had a meeting about um, gambling and the NFL, not gambling in the NFL, but like gambling across all the sport groups because I'm leading a project on that because that's becoming so prevalent. Had another meeting about the NFL preview which you may think that's far away, but it's not far away. It's soon. And we got to get all that stuff assigned out. Uh, Then I went back, took two angry phone calls from reporters and 
Then my boss called me and now I'm talking to you. So there you go. That's my day. That is a busy day. <laughs> you know, Amy and I were talking earlier and we were, we were pondering how many other women have this title in the industry? I know that someone um, at the athletic is over the NFL group who is a woman because I I tried to recruit her for one of the jobs I had last summer and she had just gotten the gig. And it was, uh, it's a woman who's in Detroit who might've worked at the free press, which I thought was interesting only because I worked at the news and I'm like, well, all the women who know about football, we all came from Detroit. So I'm not from Detroit originally, but I was there eight years before we got here. So, yeah. So that's actually the perfect segue into kind of where we wanted to go. If we go back to the beginning for you, Heather, where you're from and where your involvement with sports began and, you know, were you an athlete and how did you decide to follow a path of sports? So I like to say the first time that I remember watching the NFL was uh, I had to be three or four because we still lived in the first house we lived in when I was a little kid in Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, and it was the Packers against somebody. And I just remember, and this is a terrible thing to say out loud, but I really liked the hitting. I liked how the guys hit each other and just thought it was a really exciting game. Uh, I tried to play sports poorly. Um, I was softball, track, uh, volleyball, basketball, all at different times. What I really ended up doing was sitting on the bench and keeping the book, which Mm -hmm. I always say is like a great segue, as you know, Amy G, because your book's about baseball. Like once you learn to keep the book and you learn to keep stats, like that's like a building block to becoming yep. a sports reporter. You're invested. So, yeah, you're yeah. invested. Yeah. So even like, you know, sixth grade playing softball, I'm the one keeping the book. Uh, basketball, I always kept the book in high school. Um, so I learned those skills. Then I went to college at the University of Iowa. Um, I got to my junior year I think and my journalism advisor was like what what do you want to do what do you want to cover and I'm like I'm not really sure and he's like it seems like you really like sports why don't you go to the Iowa City Press Citizen and do this part-timer job which at the time everyone was a part-timer at some point in their career you would take calls from high school coaches and do the agate page so yes I've done the agate everyone who is my age if you haven't done the agate I don't know how you got away with it because that's basically all the little type and putting it on the page. Mm-hmm. So did that. And then that led to um, covering high schools, going out to games, and then covering the University of Iowa women's basketball team, which went to the final four when just complete, like, I'm like 22 and I get to go to the final four and cover the women's basketball team. Vivian Stringer was the coach. It was just like amazing and eye opening and also frightening. But that was the beginnings of it all was basically, I wasn't sure. I knew I wanted to go into journalism. I was the, I was the lead, you know, I was the sport. I was the editor of the paper in my high school, but I wasn't sure like where I wanted to go. And I'll tell you going to a high school softball game sounded a lot more exciting than going to a school board meeting. So I'm like, I'm all in. I love that. I love that. We, at that time, what was the scene like regarding female presence and and uh, that were reporters that had that title um I there was a woman who worked at the press citizen who was like the assistant sports editor um but there was I was the only female sports reporter and when I went to Reno that was my first real job out of college 
Um, I was the first woman who had ever been a sports reporter there. And especially high school football coaches were not a fan of that. They were like, I can remember one coach in particular who was a legend. I believe is still around. Um, Got upset about, I had to do a story about one of his players who had gotten in trouble with the law, but he still played him in the high school championship game in Vegas and they won. And so I had to go talk to the player like before his court hearing and whatever. And the coach was like, I just, I can't understand why she had to do that story. And I can't talk to her. It's like talking to my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why wouldn't you talk to your daughter with respect? Why wouldn't you treat her with the same respect you would treat your sons? You know, like this guy had four sons. He had no daughters. So I'm not sure that he just didn't know how to speak to women in general, but it wasn't very prevalent, sometimes frowned upon. And you can bet that I got every assignment that had to do with any female sport wherever I went, which was fine. I enjoyed covering the women's sports, but um, I covered a lot more softball than anyone else did or, or girls swimming or girls track or any girls assignment. I got it. Well, and you know, I hear a lot of firsts there where you're the first woman, you're doing all of this. When you moved from an editor position into the senior deputy editor position, what was the like the drive behind that? Why did you want to become that senior deputy editor? I will say this, that a lot of the things that have happened in my career have happened because, A, I, I mean, there is one thing that I will never, ever let anyone uh, say that I don't do well, and that is I work my tail off, like, I'm the hardest worker. I try and get here first. I try to leave first or leave last. You know what I mean? Like, and if I don't get here first, I make sure everyone leaves before me. You know, like if I have an appointment or whatever, I never believe that I should be challenged on my work ethic. So I think my progression here, it's kind of a long answer, but my progression here, I started out as a team editor. So I was over just the West division of the football the NFL team. Then I went up to NFL Nation lead, which is over the 32 folks that cover our teams. And then when John Plume left and went to Sports Illustrated, um, the job was open and it wasn't, for me, it's not about title. It's about how much I enjoy this group and how much I really love leading the coverage. Like they told me it was an executive title after I had already accepted the job. Like I didn't even know and I didn't even care. Like for me, it's more about what I enjoy how I like to lead, you know, I, I really like have been with this group for a decade, which is insane because usually I change jobs every like four. Uh, I mean, I've changed jobs every four years, but just to a, another place in this group. So, I mean, this group has been through a lot together and I really respect and admire all the things we've been able to do. And so it seemed like a natural progression for me to be the leader, to take it to the next level. Well, and I, can share from my experience in covering the Giants and going through this incredible World Series run with the same people for 13 years. Mm-hmm. It's rare. It's rare that you build family-like relationships with the people that you work with. So when you're able to do it, you hold on to it. If we roll back a little bit though, before you became an editor, obviously you were a reporter. What what was that transition like? And what what led to wanting to leave the reporting side and go to the editing side. They're very different. Oh, I didn't want to. Um, So I, it was all about my wife. So we, we moved from 
uh, we were at a small paper in Minnesota, St. Cloud, Minnesota. We, she got a job at the Detroit News. I did not get a job at the Detroit News. I got a job at the Port Huron Times Herald, which was not my favorite job. Um, and as I kept visiting the news to like pick her up or go to dinner or whatever we were doing, I got to know some of the people in the sports department. And one of the people also read my work in Port Huron because he happened to live in Port Huron and commuted down. And so he was the sports editor. And so Bill and I get to talking, whatever. He's like, hey, we have this job open on the copy desk. Would you be interested on in coming to the copy desk? And then maybe we can find a spot for you as a reporter. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it would be more money. I can not work in Port Huron anymore. And, you know, maybe it will lead to another job back in reporting. That was sort of what I was counting on. And they would try me out like every once in a while, they'd give me a story to do. I did a huge series about how women play overseas and WNBA players play overseas. And everyone was like, you're for sure going to get the job. Because at the time there was an open head, like a high school writer open head. And then, of course, as we all know, in newspapers that had disappeared. Um, and I stayed on the copy desk and which was fine. And then we had to change systems. We went to a new system for our computers and they picked me to be the person from sports who was going to oversee it. And through that experience, they came to me and they're like, you seem like you could be a manager. Have you, have you ever thought about being a manager? And I'm like, uh, no, not really. But they're like, well, you know, we're seeing some leadership. You know, you're going to have this night sports editor job open. Would you be interested? And so I reached out to a lot of my mentors and people that I knew in the business. And they're like, look, you can always go back to being a writer, but I think you should try this. And so I tried it. And honestly, I think I'm a better manager than I ever was a writer. I don't have like, look, I wish I was a good writer. I wish that I could like Paul is able to create a scene and able to like be very conversational in his writing. I can't do that. Like I'll come back from something. I'll be so excited and tell my sports editor all about it. And then I can't capture it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I can look at someone else's story and go, wow, this doesn't work here. What if we move this here and like change all the parts around and like get the sequencing better. And so I think in the long run, it all worked out at the time I was a little crushed about not continuing to be a reporter. She sounds like a producer, Celeste, in our world. The, the person really who makes it sing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And Heather, you know, you sports is obviously a male dominant dominated industry. And how has that experience of earning the respect from men been in this new position for you? You know, this, this position that you're doing right now, how, how do you deal with that respect and earning that from men that work for you? I think that the good thing that for me in this job is that they had me all along. So the, they've seen me from go, you know, working my way up the ranks and had, and all 32 of them I've dealt with in different situations. Like there isn't anyone, they know that my state, my style of management is I have your back, you have mine, like, don't make me look bad and I won't make you look bad. And so they understand that, you know, the respect is there that I know what they can do that, you know, and that was helpful. I think it would have been a lot harder for someone to come in from the inside or from the outside. I know that that did happen with Mary Byrne when she came in and was the NFL editor. 
um, before she moved up to executive editor here. And she did have some run-ins with a few folks, more folks who were already here in the building than actual reporters who were like, uh, I can remember riding down the elevator with someone who she took his office. And I was like, um, where, are you, where are you moving to? And he was like, a building zero. And I'm like, why are you moving there? Well, that woman is taking, and it's like, okay, well, first of all, she didn't choose where she's going to sit. <clears throat> and second of all, if it was a dude, would you be like, well, that man? <laughs> but of course, probably we, not. Yeah. Probably. Not. Do you, I know Paul always mentions this, Heather, about you having been a writer and that means something to him in being critiqued by a boss who actually has sat where he has and, and, you know, worn the same shoes. Do you feel two two part question, really? Do you feel having been a writer moving to an editor helps with the respect that you receive from your employees and your staff? Also, do you see the canvas changing some, I, I can only kind of talk about baseball, but I know when I started covering the Giants in 2008, I could count on one hand how many women were in the clubhouse. And that is very much increased over the years where, and especially with the players, you know, they're seeing reporters, female reporters coming in and out of a clubhouse throughout their, their journey through the minors. So when they get to the bigs, having a female in there, it doesn't seem to be such a big deal anymore. Like we're not talking about it like we used to. No, I think that it's definitely more normalized. And the first question of being a writer first, I think it does uh, it does give me the experience of knowing, like, here's what I love about being an editor. I have to count on my reporters. You know what I hated about being a reporter? I had to count on my sources. And sometimes your sources don't call you back and they're not reliable and they don't really care. Whereas, as I said, you know, my guys and my girls have, you know, they know that I will help them wherever they need help and they will help me. So I know I'm in a good spot if something comes up, which, you know, as we know in breaking news, Lamar Jackson decides he wants to sign his contract on, I believe it was the day before the draft. Like, what are we doing? What is happening? What are we going to write? You know, and knowing that I have Jameson on that beat, not a problem. Absolutely. You know, and his, his, editor Roman Madrowski, not a problem, not going to be a problem. So I think it does help because they understand that I understand what they're up against. Mm -hmm. But then your second question about more women being uh, around in baseball. In I mean, here on my staff, when we started, I was the only woman in the NFL group. And as far as reporters went, we had one NFL nation reporter who was a woman. Now we have six NFL nation reporters that are women. And we have one, two, three, I think there are five editors that are women now in our group, which is amazing. And a lot of diverse folks, like age-wise, um, geographically, uh, just the, it's amazing how we've been able to build our team and still have, I think, and maybe the reporters would say something different, but I think still have the best group in the country. Like it is amazing how much turnover we have, but gen but then just how we're able to keep that train rolling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with everything that you have to do, what do you have to decompress from the most? The draft agency, Super Bowl, is there anything that you really need to decompress from? 
the biggest decompress for me is um, after the season. Like when the season's over, Plume used to always say, when you walk out of the Super Bowl, like a whole weight will be lifted. And it, yeah, kind of, but then the combine. I don't have to, like Never the draft end. coverage is run by the very capable Dane Beavers who, God bless him, like has run the draft coverage for years and just does an amazing job with, with it. So I sort of oversee it, but he really is dealing with the day-to-day. Um, so, you know, I think the best part of the the NFL calendar for all of us is from an Amy Nosa from the second week of June when mini camp is over until camp starts. You get those five weeks mm-hmm. to like go and do your thing. And you know, you don't go for the whole five weeks, but this year I'm going to Croatia and I'm very excited about it. Do you know where Paul and I are going? Where are you guys going? Italy. Oh my God. During so those fun. five weeks. But only so, for eight days because I'm in baseball. So, you know. I, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing eight days as well. Well, eight or 10. I'm going to Croatia and then I'm going to see my brother in Poland because my brother oh. is there for like 20 years. Wow. So. so cool. So, you know, Celeste and I wanted to start this podcast. Really, there's a huge part of empowerment for women in this industry that, that we want to get across and start to have the discussion also as to why we don't support each other more. It, in my industry, I can only talk to where I work and Celeste and I started, well, I started with Celeste. She was already there, but there was very, it was very territorial. We were at Fox sports net and boy, you didn't cross into anybody's territory, especially talent, you know, and, and there, it was so divided. Right. Where do you think we are with just women supporting women. And this goes beyond sports. This is really in any work environment in life. I think we just struggle with supporting each other because we feel like we're always competing against each other. How, how do you think it's improving if it is, and how do we advocate better for each other? So, uh, I used to work for Carol Stiff, who was a vice president here when I was on ESPNW. And she would quote Madeline Albright and say, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help women. And I absolutely believe that. I go by that mantra. Like, um, there's a group of us here at ESPN that um, actually one of the people in the group, actually many of the people in the group have left over the years. But the four core of us still will all go out to brunch and like sort of talk through all the things that we're going through in our lives. Anything from you know, this thing about work is hard to, hey, my parents are moving into assisted living. Like, are you going through that? Like what what's happening in your world to try and decompress, but also just talk through all the things as managers, as people, as, you know, parents in some cases that they're going through. And I, you know, I try to make it clear to my younger uh, female employees, like, some of the places where they might be able to make some inroads, I was suggesting to some of them, and I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I was going golfing with someone and I said, you know, a really good thing to learn at this stage is golf because you'll find that a lot of guys golf. And if you can be in the room where it happens on the golf course, you will learn a lot of things. Absolutely. So insert yourself. Yeah. Insert yourself into their world. So, you know, I think, do I think it's been a problem? It's never really been a problem for me over the years, but that may be because the places that I've worked have been extremely inclusive. I've never had like a, uh, like someone who I would consider my rival, who was a woman ever, any place that I've worked. 
That's but, great. Um, yeah. I was brought into a situation in one paper that I worked out where there was a woman who wasn't very good at her job. And they're like, we'll bring in Heather and she'll fix everything. Like, because this person was very good and like sent me off like the same beats that this person had. And they were afraid that I was, you know, going to be of the same ilk, but that's different. Like that person was just not well suited for where she ended up. And, you know, I, I mostly felt bad and tried to help her (laughs) with, with what was going on in her world. Um, but yeah, I've never really been pitted against anyone. And I've also never had, um, I've never had like a boss or, I mean, ESPNW was interesting just in the fact that I worked with women, a lot of women for the first time ever. And it was different than anything I'd ever done, but I wouldn't say it was bad. I learned a lot of things. I'm so, sure everybody has different yeah. styles and approaches. Yeah, I guess. exactly. And, and the way that women manage sometimes is different than men. Um, but I think. I think most people will tell you that I'm a very much a straight shooter. Like I will tell you what you need to know. And um, there's nothing I hate more than a passive aggressive boss. Just tell me what I need to know. So has that ever been hard as a female to, you know, be a straight shooter, be blunt. I always feel like when I'm blunt, I get told to soften it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've never been like, I've never been called out in, like we have reviews as everyone has reviews i've never been called out in a review for it um i think that most people i mean maybe they're lying to me but most people will say i would rather you tell me what i need to know um than try and soft pedal it and the worst thing that you at least from my point of view as a manager the worst thing you can do is give someone a you did this well you did this terrible you did this well which i call the shit sandwich like don't do that Mm -hmm. like just if you're calling someone into your office to have a hard conversation, have the hard conversation. And it's gotten the first hard conversation I ever had to have was in Detroit. And it was with a guy who had been there several years, who was a friend of mine. And I had moved up the ranks and he had not. And I had to basically ask him where the heck he kept going. Like he just kept disappearing, like on deadline, which you can't do. Yeah. And that doesn't work. The night before, I was so upset. I was like crying because I didn't know how I was going to get the message across. And like, I didn't want to like, it was hard enough. He didn't get the job that I got. And there was just a lot of, and when I pulled him aside to talk to him, he was like, I'm getting a divorce and I've been on the phone with my wife. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, well that explains a lot. Why don't you just tell me that? So I don't wonder where the hell you are all the time. Like, you know, if you need to take a minute, tell me you need to take a minute, but don't just disappear. And then we can't get the paper out. So mm-hmm. you learn with every one of those conversations that you have. Like I've, I've built on everyone and tried to get better because it, yeah, it, I also want people to like, I try and think of it as speak to people as the way you would want to be spoken to. And I'd rather just have a hard message told to me than have someone tell me half of it. And then the other half isn't there. And then I don't improve. So mm-hmm. It sounds like you were so supportive with your staff. And one of the things Amy and I have talked about, though, it's a hot topic that we've heard a lot about is men interrupting women in meetings, men interrupting women and mansplaining all the time. Has that happened to you a lot, Heather? And how do you deal with it? Um, There was a time that I used to lose my temper when that happened. Um, I've softened quite a bit over the last five years. Uh, Therapy, recommend. Um, uh, 
there was a time in a meeting where I said something and then a guy said it like five seconds later. And I was like, I just said that. I'm like, did you, can you not hear me because Are of the tone of my voice is too yeah. high? Like what is happening? And, and that probably wasn't the right <laughs> approach, but, but it's, it's a real thing. Um, I try and be very mindful because I am a talker. You can tell I'm a talker um, of also not stepping on people. And today in a meeting, for example, um, I was trying to think of like we were talking about the preview and we were talking about a particular topic and I basically was stuck. And before the guy who was in the meeting room with me said anything, he said, I don't mean to interrupt, but and I think that there are many men who have it top of mind to not interrupt because they know that that is a thing that that is something that is out there that women feel and they want to make sure at least, you know, several of the folks on my staff that they don't do it, which I love. That's so true. All right. We're getting ready to wrap up here, but I do always want to ask everybody the best piece of advice you were given and that you give. Ooh, the best piece of advice that I've been given. And that can be sports related or life related. Because I think it's all applicable. Uh, okay, I can go to the one that I always give first. And I'll try and think of the one that the best piece of advice I've been given. Well, probably the best piece of advice I've been given is take a minute. Just yeah. take a beat. Because as I said, like five years ago, I would get upset about things that were sort of ridiculous sometimes. And if I would just stop and think, take a beat. <laughs> I might calm down a little bit. So like, that's probably the best piece of advice anyone has given me. Uh, for me, the advice that I give to everyone else is listen, just listen. Like you will pick up so much stuff. And then, you know what I hate? I hate being in an office because you don't pick up all the stuff that's going on in the newsroom where, you know, it's just like little things about, about what our coverage plans are in different groups or story ideas that people are thinking about. Or people's personal lives, like, hey, how's your dog? How's your family? How's your wife? You know, and um, the example that I used to one guy when when we were talking about this was, I'm like, you could pick up things as small as little fantasy tips. And he told me the next year he picked somebody on his team because he heard the NFL pod talking about it, and he did really well. He won. Like, yeah, yeah, just from like picking up something that happened over there instead of having his headphones on. Cause there's a lot of them that sit out here now that just have their headphones in all the time. And I'm like, don't do that. Right. You're missing out on something. That goes yeah. back to what you said about when you're able to look at somebody's piece of work and see, well, maybe this should go here and this should go there. Like you're very, you know, extroverted in that way where you're seeing how this could be the, the perfect story. If you put it together and if you're listening to all these things, you're going to know more about your world. It, that's, great advice. Listen. Listen. Absolutely. And Heather, if someone wanted to follow in your footsteps, what skill sets should they be focusing on? I mean, yeah, I like, think how do big... you advise people wanting to be you? <laughs> um, don't do it. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I would say the, the, the biggest thing is just always be looking for um, the next thing. Never get stuck in a rut. I think that you should always take the next opportunity. Like I said, in my career, I thought I wanted to be a writer. It turned out I'm a better manager. Like 
look at the whole landscape and it might not be the opportunity that you think you want, but take some chances, like be open to opportunities that I, I've talked to too many uh, younger folks, like, you know, mentoring folks who are like, well, I won't do this. I won't do this. I won't do this. Well, then good luck. Like you're not yeah. going to get a job on ESPN today. So if you won't work right. at a local station and you won't take video of yourself on your iPhone to put a tape together, then you're not going to get a job. Like, right. so, mm-hmm. you know, do the things that you need to do to get into the places that will make you a success. But take a beat. Listen, yeah, but take a beat when someone upsets you so that you take don't a beat, run listen. your mouth. <laughs> and make yourself open to all the opportunities that come your way. Say, I always tell people, say yes. Just say yeah, yes. Absolutely. Especially when you're young and you have no responsibilities. Just do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, do you think that I wanted to move to Reno, Nevada? I didn't, but I had the time no. of my life there in my 20s. It was a blast once I got there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But oh, and drink in Manhattan. That's the it other will. piece of advice I have for people. It fights off any type of infection. <laughs> My grandma, if she was here, she would tell you that. Heather, you're an absolute delight. I've, I just want to yes. say personally, you know, being married to someone on your staff, how much of an impact you've had in our life in a positive way that Paul has a boss that is supportive and conscientious and you've always supported our family and known about our family. And Congratulations on UNLV, by the way. I know my son is leaving me. I have this little UNLV (laughs) thing over here. UNLV mom. That's that's my new addition. I know. Uh, But it, what you do affects so much more than the people on your staff. It affects, and that's for anyone that's in a position of being a manager or being a boss. It, it's a ripple effect. And I'm really appreciative of you and so appreciative of your time. Thank you well, so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. And I've had a blast. I mean, this past, like, ooh, fast. I wish all my meetings were like this. So <laughs> thank you, Heather. So inspiring. Thank you. And thank so, you. Yeah, that's Heather Burns. She's the senior deputy editor of the NFL at ESPN. And you can follow her on Twitter at HBurns33. And we'll continue to stay in touch with you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Heather Burns. I I mean, she's been in my life, Celeste, whew, a long, long time. Uh, yeah. Great it's, storyteller. She, well, and it's funny that she said she thinks she's, you know, a better manager than a writer. Cause I kind of think she's a really good writer too. I think she was being humble. <laughs> I yeah. think so too. <laughs> but what a great opportunity to look inside her world and what she does. Clearly she has 8 million irons in the fire and is able to juggle it all. And that's a skill set you got to have in that industry. And I love that she leads with emotional intelligence and checking in with her staff and making it, like you said, it's, it's about everybody and it's personal. It's not just about work. And she really was inspiring in that way. I thought, I think she knows that what you do for a living affects your life. And so if you enjoy what you do, you're going to be a happier person and probably a much better staff member for her as well. It's an investment for her. All right, Celeste, I'm really excited about who we have lined up for June. Spill the beans. All right, Amy, for our second episode for Girl, How'd You Get That Gig? We're going to welcome in Serena Morales, who is a host and anchor for Valley Sports. And Amy, she's done a little bit of everything, anchoring, Mm -hmm. producing, reporting, 
for ESPN, as well as the Rams for three seasons. So she is a force to be reckoned with in the sports industry. I know. I'm so excited because she sounds like such a great person to learn from. All right. That's going to be in June and you're not going to want to miss it. And until then, we want you to look forward to May 22nd. Mark your calendars because that's when our podcast with Heather Burns is going to drop. I'm Amy G for Celeste Gearing, and that has been Girl, How'd You Get That Gig? Well,